0: What's the Script Tech Podcast, where we feature engineering leaders in a series of one-on-one interviews, panel discussions, and live talks, we'll be discussing what's new, what's hot, and what's not. Tune in every week to find out what's the latest and what's the script. Hello everyone, my name is Michael Sullivan, and I'm your host for today. I'm very excited about today's podcast as we have a superstar guest in the director's lounge today in Selma Hosni, Senior Engineering Manager at SEB Embedded. Selma is a very experienced engineering manager with tenures at some of the most innovative companies in Stockholm, including Mojang Studios, iZettle, PayPal, Electronic Arts, Frostbite and EasyPark. Our topic today is building high-performance teams. High-performance teams. Um, but firstly, how are you, Selma?
1: Oh my God, superstar. I feel so humbled. <laughs> thank you very much for this nice compliment. Um, I am good. Thank you. The weekend was really nice and I'm very excited about uh, having this chat with you today. So thanks for having me.
0: Brilliant. Good to hear you. You had a good weekend. Um, even, though, yeah, even though it's boiling hot in the UK, I don't want to moan too much, but I've just got over some serious bout of hay fever. So, uh, glad it's over. <laughs> it's, it's underrated that everyone forgets how bad it is. It's like it's nearly as bad as flu, <laughs> but you think it's all right because it's nice and warm outside. And next, you get in the house and it's like, oh, I can't even breathe. But, um, all right, so let's before we get into the topic, um, can we have a sort of insight into your journey up to now? Um, And, you know, a a short intro to
1: yourself. Yes, absolutely. So I uh, started my journey as a software engineer working in the financial field. And, you know, I've always been this person at school and university that um, wants to help the team, takes the lead on initiative and organizing, helping the team organizing about how around how we we can work together in a better way. So at that, early on, I got introduced to Agile ways of working. I was very interested in in becoming an Agile coach, and my journey started there. So after that, uh, very shortly, I started taking uh, more development manager, engineering manager roles within different companies in Stockholm. Uh, And I worked with different teams in, in different constellation and businesses, the financial field payments, um, betting, and uh, video gaming, parking, etc. So I am passionate about uh, teams, working with teams, working with people, um, supporting and helping teams and helping people to grow and be their best at work.
0: Brilliant. And aside from your career, and you know, you're passionate about supporting teams and building teams, what are your hobbies, interests outside of work?
1: I value very much spending time with family and friends. So I, I would be uh, out, uh, for example, uh, enjoying the city when we have nice weather, like, like these weeks with my family and friends. And, and other than that, I, I like very much physical activity. I like running and, and do yoga sometimes and started kickboxing with my son this year. Um, and I like audiobooks, so I would try to steal as much time as possible to listen to, to books.
0: Perfect. What, what I love about kickboxing and sort of martial arts, because I've, I've just started taking my little lad, is the discipline that they instill in them. Mm. So even though he's like five, he's proper telling them off, like not the younger ones, maybe the older ones in the group, like the nine, 10 year olds. <laughs> like, and it's like, <laughs> that's true.
1: Yeah, it gives them a the sense of also, it helps them grow their self esteem and, and their awareness of their body. I really like it
0: yeah i agreed on that so um all right, just to remind everyone the topic today building high performance teams and we can sort of set, con- set some context with the first question um so let's go straight into it so when do you know that you have a high performance team
1: um so that, that's an interesting question and um uh... I would say a high performance team to me looks like this. And this is not the definition. It's a team that where people trust each other, where people feel safe to speak up their mind freely and feel safe to give feedback to each other, to challenge each other in a healthy and caring way. It is a team that um, helps each other, uh, that can do whatever it takes to reach their goals and their team goals. Um, they they feel that they can learn and then grow their knowledge and skills. Um, they take responsibility together as a unity, as a team. And you can see that they, they are enjoying spending time together. They get energy from working together. It's a team that, that have a sense of pride uh, of achieving together and accomplishing together. Um, and they are creative about solving their their challenges and, and highlighting blockers when it's needed and, and removing them also. And they are curious about the user, about the customer, about the direction and the mission of the team. And they participate, so they take part in setting it as well because they are, uh, they own. They have a sense of ownership of their mission. They, they dare to say no. They deliver quality. So as you can hear, there are so many aspects and indicators of a high-performance team. Um, and, the, and this is some of the aspects that come up to my mind when, when talking about it now.
0: Yeah, and like you said there about the togetherness, um, I suppose trust is a huge factor in that. Um, So we actually have a a question from Dinko Labina. He's engineering manager at Quarter. and he's asked how to build trust in the team and then expand on it. So once you establish trust, how do you maintain it?
1: Um, I think it's uh, first of all, thank you very much for your question, Dinko. I I think that you're putting your finger on a very important, probably the most important aspects of building high-performance teams. Um, because without trust, uh, we can't host the right and supportive environment for the team to work together. We can't lead the team without trust. Um, I personally think that the, the presence or absence of trust in the team comes from the leader. So in order to establish trust in the team, we need good uh, leadership in the team and so one of the first things for example um, to, to think about when when starting or when joining a new team as a leader is to, to listen in and understand how people feel uh, to listen in and understand what works work and what doesn't work um, what is the history of the team it shows that 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 way, that curiosity of the leader and that presence and listening um shows that, uh, well, the leader has an an authentic interest in the team uh, and that they don't come with some prepared plan of action that they want to push on the team. But but rather than that, they they are authentically uh, curious about understanding the problems um, and helping the team solving Mm -hmm. these issues if they exist. and I, I also think it's it's important to lead by example in this context, um, to walk the talk. Um, a leader that is trusted uh, lives uh, is a leader that lives by the values uh, mm. that they preach and that that reflect uh, the healthy behavior that they want the team to live by. So we start from the leader. Um, and so, if as a leader. Um, if, if a leader would like the team to trust each other, I think it's really good idea uh, to to start by trusting the team. And I know that for a lot of people out there it can be challenging to trust from the beginning, but I personally I take a, a leap of faith and I trust. And then I say, okay, I trust Mm -hmm. and let's see what happens rather than prove to me that I can trust you because that already puts boundaries and walls between people and between the leader and the team as well, everyone in the team. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And and of course, this, this doesn't mean in any way that we don't hold each other accountable because accountability is to me a major aspect in building trust in the team. So imagine if I would... If I, as a leader, take a task, take on a task, and I'm supposed to get back to the team with information, for example, about it, but I don't, and I don't say anything, and nobody says anything to me, nobody asks anything, then how can I expect that the team, um, the team, to trust that you know the next time um, what's going to happen if Selma picks up our leader picks up a task or promises something, um, and mm. and so um this was a really long answer but <laughs> <laughs> the lack of, of accountability generates a lack of trust so we um, yeah
0: i think, we, we... <clears throat> I think um it's a long answer but it's it's a very important um quality to have. And it's actually one of our values at Scandiscripts Scripts as well, trust. Um, so I, I was actually going to save this question to one of the last, but I, I want to bring it forward because it's on topic. But, you know, when the trust has been broken, how hard is it to recover? and Or, or can it be?
1: Um, that's a really, really good question. I think... Um... I think it's un- uh, important to understand the circumstances of, of the context of that broken trust. So what happened? Mm. Um, um, it, was it more of we have I half promised that we will be able to stick to this timeline, but we can't? So are they external factors or is it something um, deeper than that? For example, sometimes it's really hard to recover when the trust is broken. Um, for example, I can, I can recall something that, that happened uh, in the past. Um, so there, there was a context. Michael, I don't know if this is a good example.
0: Why? Well, I- because um, it I'm, might be a, it, it might be it, it's a bit of a live example. dubbing someone in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is an interesting example because this example I'm going to say is the, the trust is extremely hard to build, hmm. very very hard to build. So it, it just shows to the leaders that your behavior as a leader is so important, and you need to be very present and very mindful of how you react to things because sometimes the trust is broken and you cannot recover from it. Hmm.
0: Um
1: and I don't know if um but in the in the past so in a previous company where I worked and a little disclaimer I'm not speaking on behalf of SCB embedded <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm more talking about my own take on
0: just go for it <laughs> on,
1: on things and I've been with SCB embedded for just a little bit over 2 weeks so not enough time I think. Um but in the past, I have uh, I remember starting with a team that didn't feel safe enough to speak. So the meetings were silent and I found it very strange and very challenging. So one of the first things I focused on is to create a sense of safety in the team for people to speak up. And I knew that in the one-on-ones, people were saying what they think to me, but mm-hmm. not to the whole group. And we have worked on that and reached a level where people started saying what they think openly, completely new dynamics in the team. And then we were invited to um, a session with leadership or some members of the leadership that they wanted to make themselves available to the team, to uh, to be asked anything from the team. And when we went to that session, it didn't go as other teams had. The team was very um, outspoken. They asked challenging questions, they followed up on that question. And so, unfortunately, it wasn't perceived as positive by the Mm. leadership. And what happened is that I uh, was asked to a meeting where I was told, well, the team is not performing. While in my world, it's completely the opposite. The team is performing in a way that they dare they dare to give feedback, they dare, they care so deeply and they speak safely. And that's seen as a quality. But to me, uh, being being, you know, challenged in a way that challenged in, in my own performance as a team member myself and that kind of break of trust that I have to the leadership that was really, really hard to gain trust back after that.
0: how how do you do it though like like you said people are opening up in a one-to-one but not in the group do you like have to say to maybe a senior can you ask can you bring it up in the meeting you know like actively tell people or Mm -hmm. is that what you have to do to sort of break the barrier down Mm
1: -hmm. yes so (coughs) there are the, the the um some some people that are a little bit more um Maybe brave at the beginning than yeah. others that I encourage to speak. Sometimes people come to one-on-ones and they expect me to take their feedback to the team and I say for example, why don't you speak? Yeah. That? If yeah, you yeah. do speak it, I will support you in it. You're safe. Um, so we encourage them to speak and, and exactly like you said, Michael have some, some of the unofficial leaders in the team
0: yeah.
1: early adopters to lead by showing the way
0: yeah it's uh i think psychological safety has been brought up in the last couple of podcasts as well and we've got a we've got one coming up um a group podcast with some interesting guests so it's uh it's definitely a it's on topic for leaders because we talk about it pretty much every time um all right so hopefully you know you like to answer dinko and um you know you, you can take take something moving forward um, so moving slightly different. So if you have a low performing team, um, where do you start to make the change?
1: Um, so the low performance is an indicator of something not working well in the team. It's not the route itself. So yeah. as a leader, if I would come in that team, I would spend time understanding and investigating what's, what's the real, where does this come from? What is not working in the team? Where does the team need support? What do people think? And I would listen, ask a lot of questions and understand. Um, Because that comes before change or before um, introducing anything in the team. Um, So I would understand and then try to take uh, an action on what maybe is the most important or the root cause. Um, and then see what comes out of it. And then look at how things then change after that and think about, okay, what is what is the most important challenge to, to focus on then to support the team? What does the team need? Because it's easy to recognize sometimes, you know, you recognize some symptoms and you, you think, oh, I've seen this before without even investigating enough. I've seen this before. I know how to solve this but I try my best to hold back and like take the time to deeply understand what happens. Sometimes there are things that are hidden. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's important to address the root cause because if we do something with the symptoms, this, the problem still continues to be there.
0: Yeah. And moving to the opposite end of the scale, you know, say he's things out and, and the you're moving up the curve as a team and, you know, you start building a high performance team. In your opinion, how can leaders foster a culture that promotes a high performance, high performance within a team? Um, And what are the potential risks or pitfalls you should be aware of?
1: Building together with the team a safe and healthy culture, Mm. Um, having or hosting, reinforcing the good behaviors, addressing the behaviors that we don't support. Um, um, I would probably sound repetitive, but it's again back to psychological safety and back to trust and back to accountability in the team. Um, some of the values that are very important is of course to of course to reinforce the team spirit and the importance of the team rather than the individual performance. And I think it's one of the pitfalls sometimes that we will reinforce the high performance, the high performance individuals rather rather than a high performance team. Um, One of the things that we did, um, and I signed an NDA, so I cannot really talk about it, but in one of the previous teams is to create a sense of belonging to the team and to put the priority or the goals of the team before the individual goals. Um, and that shifts the culture from everyone sitting in their corner and, and doing their own thing and, and pursuing their own goals to everyone in the team focusing on the goals of the team instead. And making sure that they help and support each other because it's all about achieving the team's goals
0: yeah definitely and i've got a follow-up question on this topic from pierre bonham he's chief creative officer products um so you know still wants to talk about culture so how do they work with culture of everyone in the team to speak their mind and come with creative solutions outside the exact process or scope
1: thanks pierre um i think your question addresses psychological safety i think and um, um to me people speak up when they are mind when they feel safe enough to do so so here as a leader well, what i would seek is to to understand if people feel safe in the team if people se- feel safe enough in the organization in the company as a whole um, and if we have a culture that accepts different opinions that accepts different ways of thinking um, do people um, get maybe laughed at or pushed down for coming up with new ideas out of the ordinary? Are people allowed to make mistakes? What is the, the culture around making mistakes and learning from those mistakes? Um, I have seen in some companies that the team can be also conditioned to execute on requests that are dropped on them from, all the time from, from different stakeholders. And that kind of dimes their creativity Uh, So how can they be creative when they are expected to pick up tasks all the time and run with them? A healthy brainstorming needs healthy uh, enough space. So creativity needs space in the team to happen. So the role of a leader here is to, to set the right expectations, to help the team understand that it's part of their responsibility as a team to think and to speak up and to share their opinions and to be creative and not just to blindly execute, passively execute, maybe sometimes on on orders from different stakeholders. Um, If the team has a sense of of ownership of their processes and and their scope, then then they will work on improving them when needed. If someone else sets them uh, in in the place of the team or instead of the team and somebody else is owning those processes and, and ways of work and on behalf of the team, then course how to expect the team to to seek and to take initiative on improving them or even using them from the first place
0: perfect um pierre's actually had two bites of the cherry so he's got a a second question which is more on topic with um something of my interest as well and so he's asked i would like to know if you follow the same process each time in recruitment
1: uh, so specifically, you know, a little disclaimer, disclaimer here, I, I'm not speaking on behalf of FECB Embedded. I have started here a little bit over two weeks ago. So, um, but what I could say about working in, in a few companies is that the recruitment process sometimes slightly varies, sometimes it's a bit different from, from one company to the other, from one team to the other. And it depends on, on the team setup. It depends on on what is important to the team, and it also depends on the company values. Some companies put technical skills first; that they would put more um, time into um, interviewing someone for their technical skills, and some some other companies have more focus on the cultural fit and on the mindset. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I think in with process this. It's always, like I said, the more time people can commit to and say, committing to them interview slots or allocating that time to interview each week, I think that does make a difference. Whereas if it's sort of, a, uh, we'll, we'll push it back to next week or, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll review the CVs at the end of the week and maybe set something up. That's when, you know, from both sides, candidates and, and can, client, that's when it sort of break down, breaks down a little bit, in my opinion, yeah. but having them. That sets like committed to let's do this. Let's interview this week. These are the times. I think that really does make a difference. Yes, in, in, in terms of same process approach.
1: Yes, it, it shows respect as well to the interviewee, and that's very important. That gives yeah, a, a, a picture of the the company values as well. And myself, I was interviewee in a in a process with a company not a long time ago that I was very very keen on, but I had to drop. I chose to quit the process because of the lengthily... Yeah, wishy-washy. Uh, yeah, yeah, very long time to wait. And the feeling that, you know, yeah, we will, like, um, lack of respect of the time, that's yeah. that's a problem.
0: And I think, like, a candidate, like, say, for example, you know, Selma's got interviews, availability on Thursday, at two till four. When a candidate hears that, they're like, oh, right, these are serious about it, you know, let, let's go forward and let's try and get this interview and as well as you know in a, a very competitive market with technical tests yes candidates yes. won't be prepared to complete a two three hour test if they don't know they're going to get the interview at the end of it um we've we've allocated time booked in or even like that, that first stage we just spoke about where it's like okay yeah these guys are serious they're more inclined to complete it because they know this there is that set process Oh, that set time allocated. So it's um, yeah, it's an interesting question, and uh, I think yeah, I think I think it's it's for more for the candidate side for that strength of confidence, like you've just said, Selma, where you actually pulled out yourself.
1: Yes, and and that's for example, um, just to comment on what you just mentioned. That's why I personally go for the mindset and cultural fit interview first. Uh, because as you said that to me that's very important and then I would go for the technical skills and there is already a step forward so
0: Mm. sometimes they are at the end aren't they well quite a few quite a lot of the time the culture interview is at the end with the ceo or and it can be like yeah we love this guy and he's passed all the tests and it's oh no it's not going to fit it's right back to the drawing board so yeah. so uh, they horses for courses i suppose so um all right and just just going back to high performance a little bit um so i've got a question here so are, are there common challenges or obstacles that teams face when trying to achieve high performance
1: i think it really depends on the context and, and the common challenges of course is what well. And the most important ones, I think is what we mentioned early on in this discussion is um, the lack of trust, the lack of psychological safety and, and an absence of a strong team spirit. But there can be a big variety of other challenges that I've seen. Um, for example, could be uh, some of the challenges could be a lack of lack of product direction. What, what is the direction that, that we are taking uh, working on this product? Does the team understand what is the product mission? Um, Do they understand the priority? uh, So that they can can make decisions on a daily basis and they don't feel constantly blocked uh, because they don't know what the priority is? Um, Or is everything equally important? Um, Do they understand? Do the team understand how they are supposed to, to contribute in their different roles? Do they feel motivated by that? Does the team understand and trust the, the vision and direction of the leadership team? So the overall company, does the team have the needed skills so that they can achieve their goals? Um, do they have the tools and the processes and ways of working so they're able to work efficiently? So as you can see, there could be a, a different different uh, variety of, of challenges or blockers in the way of a team that, that is seeking to become high performing And I think the key here is for the leader to be able to identify them and help the team solve them, um, starting, of course, by, by the most impactful ones, um, to, to be able to enable the team towards their high performance.
0: Perfect, and we actually have a very interesting question. Um, just following on from this this topic, um, from Joanna Nyberg, she's VP of Engineering at Mentimeter. So, Joanna has asked, "What what are your thoughts related to the empowered team model, and more specifically, the trio setup having design, engineering, and product leading a team, and and?" and now, do you have that set up? Uh,
1: thank you for the question, Johanna. Um, I think it really depends on, on the needs of the team. I've worked in some constellations where you have the three competences present and, and strongly present in the team and, and a representation of the leadership, somebody who leads design, somebody who leads product and engineering that need to be working together, driving the team together. But it really, it's so contextual. It's so depending on the team. It's so depending on the goals. Um, do, do I currently use that, have that set up in the team? No, we don't have a trio set up, but will we have a trio set up in the future? It will depend on our context and what the teams need in order to, to, to be supported in the best way towards the goals.
0: Okay, perfect. And just a, another follow up. What is a story you could share about a low performing team and how they became a high performing one?
1: Uh, so it's a story that is close to my heart. I really enjoyed working with this team. Um, I, I briefly mentioned them before. It's a team that I remember when I had my first, attended the first meetings with the team, um, the team was very quiet um uh, one person who was the facilitator was speaking and and even though each person in the team is highly competent and highly skilled um the 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 overall performance of the team wasn't at its best people were sitting by themselves uh people didn't talk to each other that much didn't work together that much um and so what we did together in that team is to to um, to give space to people uh, to express their their concerns and their frustrations, and to show the team that we can move forward. We can actually together solve of these, some of these problems. We are not stuck. Um, it was a situation where the team was, I think, promised. Uh, continuously to, for a while to, to, um, to have the ways of working or to be able to put in place the ways of working and, and work together in the way they wished for, but that never happened, and so the trust in the leadership was low. Re-establishing the trust in that leadership helped the team come together, and in that specific team as well, one of the things that was, that I learned, and there were. Very interesting for me to, to witness and observe is that um, a couple of years before, uh, there was a big uh, organizational change that impacted everyone. But um, the team never got the space to speak about it between each other. Um, they never got the the space and the room to to ask questions and, and ask each other questions and ask the leaders question about that change and to express how they feel about it and why it made their life difficult and what they need from each other to be able to work in this new constellation. And one of the things that we did was to um, do a series of, of workshops and and exercises where they could finally, after two years, talk about that and clear the space and agree on what they expect from each other and how they want to be supported from each other and how they want to work together. And that completely changed the way that the team works together.
0: Yeah, and I I know you mentioned before about... A lot of it is in context, um, but we'll we'll try and answer it. What what is for you, what is the difference between high performing and low performing and how do we define them?
1: Um, The main difference between that's that's a kind of a tricky question to answer without talking too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because to me there is not a by-the-book definition of high performance or by-the-book definition of low performance, um, but I would say, um, is the team? Is there a team spirit? Do people feel belonging to a team? Um, do they feel happy uh, about their work? they feel happy about being in this team Do they have goals that they strive for together um, and they own their processes and and the symptoms of low low performance team are are the 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 opposite of what we mentioned at the, the beginning of this talk when i stated a few examples of what a high performance team look like um, and I think also a team that is high performance and I don't think I mentioned this before is a team who owns uh, owns their ways of work and owns their backlog, uh, owns their blockers and all solving their 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 problems they take initiative, even if I as a leader don't see something they would they would highlight it and they would say, mm. "Well, we need help there because they have such a high sense of ownership and then. And then you know, and then maybe the metrics that come in a second place in my world will speak about this, maybe the the quality the quality of what they're building will speak for their high performance
0: yeah. I think a lot of it comes back to a lot of the basics, doesn't it accountability, trust, honesty, you know owning owning what's yours so it's not, it's not. We're going to say it's not rocket science because I know it is what you guys do, so with the coding. But teams itself, not playing football, or you know, in the recruitment team or a company, the teams, like you said, a lot of it has come down to trust, accountability, exactly. ownership.
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, teams, teams come to. I mean, for the teams to succeed, they need a good leadership. Yeah. To me, a team, I've rarely seen, oh, a team not succeeding because, yeah, some, some individual reason related to, like, skills or mindset, etc. Usually, the, the challenge is that for them to have the right leadership that sees them, that mm-hmm. understands them, and that serves them and supports them in the right direction
0: i think as well uh, uh, something that wasn't sort of scheduled in but just popped in my mind um like you mentioned competency before and a leader who you know may on the tools or as a developer has gone to a leadership position um how how is that viewed like in all honesty you know someone who maybe came in for a different background or can't code as an engineering manager how how is that received You guys, in the past, have you seen that?
1: Um, Yes, I I think it's it's important to understand what the developers or what the team members' world look like. To have that insight, I don't. I personally, I don't write code anymore for a very long time, but I've been a developer some years ago, so so I have. I can understand the pains. Mm. I can understand the what, what my team is talking about. I can understand the challenges and I can facilitate the conversation and help the team or help us get to a decision. And I think a lot of, um, so, so that's where having that developer insight skill comes to use. Um, yeah. And the other way around. So um, being a developer and then being such a good developer that you get promoted to a manager role, that yeah. is also, I think, a challenge. Uh, because you have somebody who is excelling in the technical skills yeah. and then we promote them to a position where they are supposed to have strong, maybe people, leadership, organizational skills in yeah. contrast with what they excelled at before. So that is also something to, you know, to think about and to, to, to keep in mind, because I believe they, that that in such a a context they will need a lot of support coaching from their manager help with tools like you mentioned and and ideas and mentorship because these are to me two different things
0: Uh, so true because even look at this some of the so-called premiership stars that went into management like Gerard Lampard they're they're not great managers so it's, uh, I think there's only one or two. Zidane, he was, he was the legend, <laughs> legendary player, legendary manager, but management is just, it's a class of its own. so
1: Absolutely, spot on. And I feel like, you know, we see the technical skills, technical skills, business skills, product skills. How about leadership skills? How about we don't take these for granted? It's actually something that some people have, some people could develop and improve
0: yeah yeah it's so true but I don't think I'll be mentioning Zinedine Zidane today but <laughs> <Great> <laughs> example, I have to say. um but yeah so I think all right so I think that's pretty much everything is there anything you want to add further or follow up on any answers that you that you wanted to say you know towards the end of the podcast here
1: I would just add one thing. I, th- I think we, I forgot to mention it. And that is uh, the ability to be vulnerable because this is one of the greatest lessons from a few years ago for me. It's, it's the ability, the ability to be vulnerable in the team and to be vulnerable as a leader and ask, ask for feedback and, and be able to receive feedback as well yeah. um, without taking it personal. Uh, without yeah. feeling uh, like a, because usually people, when, when whatever they do and the feedback they give, they don't target you as a person personally, or they don't mean to hurt. They just want to express their opinion and then they want to help. Um, and being vulnerable also reinforces the safety in the team and the trust in the team. And it's important to show that as a leader.
0: I think for me that's one of the key things in having a growth mindset. You know, not just like listening to podcasts and YouTube videos and how to be the you know, best you can be or books. I think having you know feedback from your team is is massive in, in growing as a leader. Yeah. Being a good
1: leader is about also like just like what you said, having this growth mindset, challenging ourselves as human beings. To grow as human beings so that we can be our best as leaders
0: well what a fantastic point to end on um i think that's pretty much everything we've covered quite a lot today in the you no know, nearly 40 40 minutes here um no i can't just i can't thank you enough for, for joining the podcast selma i really appreciate it really enjoyed this conversation
1: Thank you very much for having me. I, I also enjoyed very much our conversation. Time just flew by.
0: Time, time, trust. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty much the, the points of the, the you know, the hallmarks of the podcast, if that's the right word. Um, right, well, if, you know, if you are listening um, and want to um, join the podcast, please do get in touch on LinkedIn, the website or, or email me at michael at scandyscript.com. If you want to have a question for a future podcast or if you'd like to feature. Um but for now, thank you very much, Selma, Selma. And um yeah, we will we'll keep in touch and thank you very much for featuring.
1: Thank you. Thank you too, Mike.